Ramsey. Hallelujah. Carl Dwight Dee. Just a pleasure to have you. We just kind of got to know Carl and just in our passing functions show or ministerial activities. It's like a camp. But uh, we remember when you were sick, at least to a degree. We didn't know how bad it was. Doctors would give you no hope. And I'm going to let you share your own story. I'm not going to preach your sermon. You carry the That speaks volumes about this minister. So come and just share your heart. Thank you for coming on a short note. But here's what happened. Carl had <laughs> kind of been penciled in to come, and then he called and said, am I supposed to come? And uh, yeah, keep coming. And so I'm laying on the bed with a dizzy spell yesterday. Okay, This happens occasionally. I think I wear myself out sometimes. And then I, my body says, enough. And so I said, Carrie goes, you want Carl to come? Mm, you know, the old pride of me. Oh, yeah. I like him, Carl. <laughs> so he's, he's a breath of fresh air for me. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, whatever you prefer, Pastor. That, well, I might run up and down. I don't know. It all depends on how I feel. <laughs> well, what an honor to be with all of you this morning. Uh, Miss Dee and I, we, like I say, we love people. And I love weddings and funerals. Uh, I'll be doing uh, four weddings in a row this next four Saturdays. And got one more funeral to do. I've already done three this month. I want to be the pastor in our state who does more weddings and funerals than anyone else. Because I love people. Because I want to bring hope to people. Because I want to show them Christ's love. And we found that it's just a wonderful, wonderful time. I meet families. And it's fun. Those of you that were here earlier, you remember the 2 o'clock wedding that started at quarter to 7? Uh, you know how God uh, used me there to help everyone. And it's just an honor and a privilege to represent Christ, our pastors, our churches, and our communities to people who are going through a health care crisis. And so it's really, really, really an honor for Miss Stevie and I to be here. And I, now, Pastor Gary wanted to give you a Bible IQ test. Uh, so he's asked me to give you this Bible IQ test. <clears throat> what did Jesus say his last words to the disciples at the Last Supper? 
pastor, they're not doing very good. <laughs> if you want to get in the painting, get on my side of the table. You know, I, don't, I believe that our world does not have enough laughter and enough joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Boy, that was pretty weak. Got to get them through a spiritual workout here. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Well, that was a little bit better. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Yeah, so if you've got joy in you, everyone's going to see it. I love that. I love to see that joy. Now, how many of you uh, know that this church is well known for some good music? Yes, the family. I I love watching them. I wish I could be here at six o'clock. Uh, I would be here. Uh, I gotta I gotta keep a notice and see when you're gonna do that again, because. Uh, Miss Deedee and I would love to drive up here and just hang out and listen to some good old uh, gospel bluegrass. Now, I love every kind of music. I love every kind of music. I like uh, old country. I like early rock and roll. Uh, I like barbershop. Uh, I like choirs. I don't like rappers. <laughs> well, I'm kind of a plain white rapper. <laughs> I don't think I better go into that rapper routine right now. Uh, but I love gospel music, and I love every kind of music. Now, I, I love to discover how songs are written and uh, how they become such big hits. So I like writing parodies. Uh, that's where you take the music and change the words. Uh, I love writing parodies. And one of the parodies is this. Now this song was famous in 1964. It was the shortest song this musical group ever recorded and sang one minute and 22 seconds long that's easy for anyone a minute 22 right uh it goes a little bit like something something like this oh yeah i tell you something some folks don't understand when i feel the spirit i want to raise my hands I want to raise my hands. I want to raise my hands. Well, that was the Beatles. How many of you like Marvin Gaye? Oh, yeah, I bet you're wondering how I knew all this pain that you're going through. I saw you crying in your sleep last night. You're tossing and turning, trying to do things right. It takes you by surprise how I knew the Holy Spirit is working on you. Oh, yeah, I heard it through the prayer line. (laughs) 
I don't think I better go with that Bee Gees. I don't have that falsetto um, <laughs> voice today. But anyway, uh, isn't it amazing how music stays here? And it's fun how when we're going through something in our life, music plays such a big part. Remember the first time you fell in love? That was our song on the radio. Now, how many of you know what I'm talking about? I mean, music plays such a big part in our lives. And um, uh, I, I should probably tell you this. Uh, funerals for me, uh, I call funeral directors funeral homes directors because it's spelled F-U-N, right? Funeral, F-U-N-E-R-A-L. And some of, the, some of the guys get kind of upset when I call, call them the funeral director. Well, you know what? If, if our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, our reservation's made, uh, it ought to be a celebration of leaving this old world behind. Uh, now, I know it's hard to say goodbye to anyone you love, but guess what? In just fractions of a minute, you're going to join them. Because a thousand years is like one year in heaven. Think about that. Wow. How many of you have ever been absent from the body? I have twice. <laughs> I'll let Miss Dee Dee talk about that. But uh, how many of you have ever been absent from school? Okay, does that mean that you're going to go back to the school? You know, will, will your classmates see you again? Yeah, you were. You know, how many of you have been absent from work? All right. Uh, it just means that you're not there for a short period of time. And uh, so that's the truth when, when, uh, when we graduate and we leave this old world behind, we have a great, great hope. It's called the blessed hope. And that's with Christ Jesus. And uh, I don't know about you, but my reservations are already made. My name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. All I have to do is check in when it's my time. Think about that. If your reservation's made, you know where you're headed. How many of you go on vacation and make a reservation for a hotel? The one nice thing about my reservation is that there's always room in heaven. They don't have a no vacancy sign at all. There's always room for everyone. And so, uh, we have been blessed. Uh, uh, how many of you have ever gone on a faith journey? Raise your hand way up high. You know, you didn't know where you were going. You didn't know how long it would take. Uh, you didn't know what to pack. You didn't know what was, was going to be needed. Uh, how many of you, that sounds like a good vacation? Well, we went on a 10-year faith journey. Seven of those years, I was terminally ill, and I could, did not eat or drink anything by mouth for more than seven years. 
I was kept alive by a bag of nutrition that was mixed especially for my body, which dripped into my veins uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, every day of the year. I quit watching television. Because almost 50% of all the ads are, have to do with restaurants or food related. <laughs> McDonald's had come out with that thing. I'm loving it. I wasn't loving it. <laughs> now, Miss Didi and I, we always believed and trusted in God. Doctors would tell us there's no hope. And as soon as the doctors would leave, Miss Didi would rebuke what they'd said and start looking up. We didn't give up. We looked up. And uh, so many people today, they, they want to give up and not look up. God can always use, <clears throat> God can always use whatever you're going through today to help someone else. Now, on uh, Father's Day, isn't that great, Father's Day? How many of you love your father? Yeah, you make them cards and everything else, right? It's kind of fun. Well, on Father's Day, I was laying in bed uh, dying. I had been dying for five weeks. My organs were shutting down. I was septic, which means that the, my blood was infected, and it was, it was shutting down all of my organs. Uh, I couldn't breathe. I was 252 pounds. I kept telling them to take the calories out of that TPM, but they didn't listen to me. I was just, I looked like the Pillsbury Doughboy. How many of you remember the Pillsbury Doughboy? Uh, you know, I, I knew that if I took any more IVs, I was going to pop. And so <laughs> when, when I laid there in that bed, I couldn't breathe because all that water was pushing down on my chest. You know, my lungs, I, could, I just could not breathe. My heart was erratic. Uh, my kidneys had shut down. And you ask, how do you know that? Well, nurse, how many of you are in the medical field here? Okay, good. You know you measure everything in the hospital, right? And nothing is private, I mean, you know. So anyway, my kidneys had stopped working at 5, uh, at 5 a.m. that uh, morning, that Monday morning when I was admitted into the hospital. And <clears throat> I think that's why I was so uh, bloated, uh, was because there's there a lot going in and nothing coming out. Let's just put it that way. Well, uh, about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, uh, our daughters and grandkids came. It was Father's Day. And how many of you like those gold mark cards? You know, the I don't. Uh, <laughs> I like the handmade cards. You know, the ki kids have drawn and colored. And, you know, they uh, sometimes they, they spell my name Carol because they've learned phonic Carl, you know, so they do the O in front of that. So I don't mind. There's only an O separating Carol and Carl. So um, <laughs> well, they left the hospital room, and uh, 
the doctors on Wednesday said that I would live no more than two or three days, uh, and that would be it. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday, now it's Sunday, the fourth day. And God miraculously healed me around 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I said, Miss Dee, get me one of those urinals. And how, you, how many go hunting, fishing? All right, what do you bring with you? <laughs> well, in Mississippi, we had these beautiful trees that had these nuts that I really, really loved. And they would fall down to the ground every fall. And uh, I, I, the one saint in our church came up and said, uh, you like them nuts? I said, sure is shooting. I said, I love pecans. She said, that's what you bring with you on a long car ride. So anyway, I filled that up, <clears throat> and then I asked Miss Dee get another one, and uh, filled that almost to the top, and then you have to put it away, you know, in the bathroom so that the nurses can measure everything. And we had a real cheerleader, uh, you know. We were you. Everyone in that hospital knew us after as many years. One out of uh, three out of ten years we spent there. Uh, you know, we knew everyone, everyone knew us, and uh, you want to know a good way to get the nurses to really love you? I learned this my first uh, trip. You bring candy. <laughs> because they're running around, they don't have time to eat anything, but they need a little pick-me-up, and so I would bring candy every time I checked in the hospital, and then the nurses would sometimes see the front counter there, uh, and they'd say, Carl, Didi must be here. There's candy. And uh, that's one way to get them to like you because when the favorites are gone, they'd come in my room and get the favorites. Uh, we'd stash a few away. We knew what the girls liked. And so, but anyway, uh, the nurse came in and said, Wow! Where'd all this urine come from? And Dee Dee said, well, Carl. Whoa, yeah. I've never seen somebody get so excited about that. Um, but she was excited because my kidneys had started working. And uh, a year later, my nephrologist uh, saw me in the hallway and said, Carl Lindelin? I said, yes. She said, I thought you died. I said, no. God miraculously healed me. What's your creatinine level? And it was 1.5, you know, 1 to 2 is where you want to be. He had me right down smack in the middle, 1.5. She looked at me and said, Carl, you don't have kidney disease anymore. I said, thank you, doctor. That's what I like to see. And she started walking away, and she kept looking back at me. And she kept looking back at me. And uh, now her name was Dr. Kukula. Doesn't that sound good? Don't worry, I had Dr. Finger, Dr. Payne. Uh, 
the doctor who delivered me in this world was Dr. Good. And the one who's been my primary physician for the last 15 years is Dr. Sick. So I've had both Dr. Good and Dr. Sick. One day I brought uh, one of the prescription bottles with me to Dr. Sick's office. I said, you know, uh, the pharmacist always abbreviates your, your name to the first initial. You know, your, so I said, I want you to look at this bottle and it says, Dr. B. Sick. I'm glad that God has a sense of humor. I'm glad that he's the one who helps us to just see life when it looks like death. He's the one who gives us hope when there is no hope. He's the one that gives us joy when a lot of people are just moping around. There's a scripture verse that Miss Dee and I hung on to. It's Romans 12. 12, Romans chapter 12, verse 12. And it's this. Be joyful in hope. How many of you know those people when they get out of bed, they go, well, I hope I get my shoes on today. I hope my car starts. I hope that they won't mind that I'm 35 minutes late to work. That's not hope. That's not hope. We've got to be joyful in hope. Why? Because we've got a great, great Lord and Savior who's with us. He never leaves us. He doesn't forget about us. As a matter of fact, he stands beside us closer than a brother. Uh, Pastor, you know, you got brothers. Boy, they'll stand right beside you when someone starts picking on their little brother. Right? How many of you have got a brother? Raise your hand way up high. How many of you love your brother? No, don't, don't put it down. <laughs> a brother sticks beside you. You'd do anything for your brother. I have two brothers, and I'll do almost everything for them. Uh, I won't go to Angle Inlet and visit my brother Tom because uh, I don't want to go through Canada to get to Minnesota. Uh, <clears throat> those of you that know that part of the country will know what I mean. It's kind of a hermit existence up there. Uh, you live on islands, that'll tell you one thing. And when ice in or ice out, you might spend four to six weeks on an island uh, without coffee. <laughs> that'll change your life. <laughs> but Miss Dee, Dee uh, why don't you come on up here and share... Thank you for having us. What Carlton doesn't, he's funny and he's telling his story, but what he didn't tell you is that he had, he had many different um, health conditions. He had um, kidney failure, he had pancreatitis, um, just liver disease, just a lot of uh, issues. The, um, you know, the Lord was faithful to us and the one thing that I, we, Carl said we, we stood by, um, I mean, our scripture was Romans 12, 12. But the one thing that I did, and I want to take you back just a second. I know we, we're running out of time here, but I wanted to tell you that on our wedding day, when I, we were just teenagers and we were married, 
When it came to the part where the, and we didn't write our vows like everybody else they do now or all these new things they do. When it got to the part where it said in sickness and in health, I started crying. And I didn't know why I was crying, but I started crying and then I started sobbing. And before the preacher would, before I could say anything, he said to me, did you wanna, he whispered, he leaned in and he said, did you wanna do this? And I said, well, yes. And then Carl leaned into me, he was to my right, and he said, Did you, do you want to do this? And I said, yeah. I wouldn't know, and I didn't know, till the Holy Spirit reminded me when Carl was going through his horrific journey, that he was preparing me then to do what I did. And what I did is I believed in faith for my husband. When my husband's hands, he couldn't raise him up, then I'd raise him up for him. And I carried around a vial that I'm hoping I have enough to give you all. And it has a few mustard seeds in there. And the Lord reminded me that I only needed faith as much as a mustard seed. And if you look at one of these, they're tiny. I knew I could handle that because some days I was mad. There were days I was angry. There were days I was sad. Um, I was depressed. And the Lord reminded me, the Holy Spirit reminded me one day when I was sitting there just feeling so defeated. And he said, it's okay to feel those feelings. It's just not okay to stay there. So I chose to rise up above that circumstance and trust the Lord. Because you see, to be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord. And so I wasn't afraid for Carl to die. I knew that God, he would be healed one way or the other. But Carl had a call in his life that I believed was irrevocable and I tried to visualize my husband. I'm a visual person and I tried to visualize my husband in the pulpit doing exactly what you see him doing behind here. But the mustard seed I kept at my station at work and I kept in my purse and held on to that mustard seed, held on to this, that that's all I needed. And the day that Carl was in ICU and the code went, code blue, and he was gone for 15 minutes, and I had to make a decision after a few days to take him off of life support. It was a really, it was tough, but I knew that I wasn't fearful of what God was gonna do. And when we did do that, it happened twice and twice had to be taken off of life support and twice he God came through for us in the sense that he was healed um, but the big thing is is that what I want to share with you and I want and I know that there are people here today and you might know someone or you're going through a horrific circumstance I want you to know that our God is bigger than our circumstance and I want you to know that I never getting through the 10 years when I think back I always I think how did I do that just how did I do that it was because I trusted that God was able. And I wanted, I had a healthy fear of the Lord. And my fear was this, that I wanted to please the Lord. And I wanted him one day when I left this earth and I graduated to heaven, for him to tell me, well done, good and faithful servant. So that fear was I wanted to please the Lord. Not a bad fear, but a fear of I might not please him. And I just wanted to please the Lord. And so I stood there. I'd go to work in the morning and I'd have a sitter, my mother-in-law, was my second person and she'd sit there with him while I was at work and then I'd come back there and I'd sleep on wherever I could find a bed if they didn't have a bed for me and then I'd go back to work in the morning and I repeated that and I did that for seven years, only leaving him two times in that whole time that he was in the hospital. So I just want you to know that our God is faithful and he's able and I don't know what you're going through and I'm not gonna tell you how to handle it all, I'm just gonna tell you that God is faithful and all he says is, like the woman with the issue of blood. In the Bible, there's a woman, and she was sick. 
and she would just try to go to every place she thought Jesus was. And every place she went, she was shunned and moved away, never could get close. And all she did at this one time when she finally got into the crowd is she touched his hem. And when she touched his hem, it was so powerful, took so much out of him. He said, who touched me? She never physically touched him. She touched his hem, his cloth, his robe. Who touched me? And it was so powerful. I want you today, if you're going through anything, and I wasn't planning to share this, but I feel like someone needs to hear this today. I want you to visualize that today is your day, that you're touching his hem. All you're doing is touching his hem. And this is the day. This is 8-27th. Is today the 27th, 28th? Whatever day it is, and I want you to write this down because when tomorrow comes and Satan says, but you know your circumstances is still the same, you can say, not today, Satan, not today, because yesterday I gave it to the Lord and I touched his hem, and he heard me. I want, oh, can we pass the, I, I don't know how many, if there's a couple, if you're a couple and there's, can you just take one, and then if there's more, you guys are free to have them. Will you pass these out? Someone can take these and just start passing them out. And I want you to know something else about the mustard seed that's really important to us. We have seven grandchildren, and the four little grandchildren that we live so close to help us to do this for our ministry, and they, they fill these seeds. Some of them might have a couple in them because our little Gigi, she just takes one at a time and puts them in. She's five years old now. Our other grandson, he's in a hurry, so he scoops it up. So you might get some that have one, two, and you might get some that have a lot. But thus, just so you know, they range from the ages now. They just turned 12, 10, 8, and 5. But they've been filling these up for the last three years for us. So there you go. Thank you. Well, thank you, Miss Didi. You know, when I'm glad that I married uh, an Italian from New York City. She's the city slicker, boys and girls. Even though she's wearing flannel, she is the city slicker. Yeah. But the, the, her big thing is that when you tell an Italian you want something done, they do it. And that's why she pulled me off life support twice. And thank you, honey. I appreciate you being obedient to what my desire was. Uh, but God had a different desire than mine. Now, if you look up here at the scripture again, be joyful in hope. This is the hardest part of the three parts in this uh, particular verse. Patient in affliction. How many of you are patient in affliction? How many want it done now? How many would like to take something to get it done now? Uh, the one thing that we learn throughout this is patient in affliction. Why? Because you're... You're helping people in the future by what you go through today. Now, look at the last part of that verse. Faithful in watching television. <laughs> Faithful in listening to the radio. Uh, Faithful in going to work. Uh, Faithful in what? Prayer. Prayer. Now, here's one thing about prayer that I want to talk to you about. How many of you have ever been praying and all of a sudden uh, you get a little detoured? You start thinking about that 30% off coupon for Kohl's. <laughs> Guys, we're the same way. You know, we start praying and all of a sudden we go, I got to get some oil for that tractor. 
I got to get my blades sharpened on a lawnmower. I better make sure the, the snow thrower's starting to work. Well, the thing is, guess who's distracting us? The what? Yeah, the D-E-V-I-L. Now, how many of you know he's the prince of darkness? How many of you know that our world is getting more darker each and every day? Do you know that when the sun goes down, that more home burglaries, more burglaries of stores, car thefts, all of that goes up as soon as the sun comes down. Because people think they can hide the bad things when it's dark. That people won't notice, that they won't see them. And it's kind of like with us. Uh, we, have, we have a God that said, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Well, it's true. Uh, Satan, Lucifer, um, Beelzebub, uh, they're all the enemy. And guess what the enemy's out to do? Steal, kill, and destroy. Everyone? No, but the believers, <laughs> because he wants you on his team. Now listen, I'm on the God's all-star team. Just like all of you, and there's no bench players. Now, uh, I brought a little. I brought with me a little something, and uh, 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 Miss Dee, you're going to have to come up here because I'm going to need both hands. You're always my right hand. <laughs> See, it's a right hand. <laughs> now we have a an enemy that's he's a no good, rotten stinker, is what he is. And uh, some of you said that he's the devil. Well, I want you to put a D in front of evil, and what do you get? If you put a D in front of E, what do you get? The devil. He's the evil devil. And I want for you to know that um, this guy is a stinker. whispering things in your ear. It's subtle. He starts whispering these lies in your ear. Why? Because he's the father of lies. But he likes to just keep that going, especially when you pray. You know, you know why? Because prayer is the most powerful weapon. And when we pray, he doesn't like it. Because we have power then, not our own power, but the power of God. Prayer is the most powerful weapon we have. Now, I'm here to tell you that today you can disarm <laughs> our enemy. You can disarm them. And then, how many of you know that the hardest day to get up and get somewhere is Sunday morning? Yeah, Sunday morning is tough. You know why? Because he's trying to discourage you not to come. 
And that's why everything goes wrong. And that's why it's so easy to just say, I'll, I'll go next week. And then the next week is, oh, I, I missed a week. I, I'll go back next week. And pretty soon, guess what? You're at home uh, watching TV on church or whatever. But the thing is, we're supposed to get together. We're supposed to gather together to build each other up, to encourage one another, to help each other. That's what believers do. And he wants to just get you on a detour walking somewhere else where you will not be here. I talk to people all the time, and they tell me this. I, I, I just quit going. Well, I know why. Well, I'm here to tell you that you can defeat the enemy. You can defeat him. And as a matter of fact, uh, the word of God tells us that uh, he shall be under our feet. So please do not let anybody <laughs> discourage you from coming to church and from helping people. That's what we're all here for. So don't let anybody do that to you. And I hope that this uh, visualization today will help us in remembering what we should be doing. Um, but I'd like to, I'd like to close with this, I think. Our world is a dark place. But we are the light. Jesus said, we are the light of the world. In other words, people can recognize us. And guess what? You know how a mosquito is drawn to a light bulb? You know how the gnats are, insects are just drawn to that light. And non-believers are drawn to that light also. They're drawn to that light. So we have to be strong, we have to be joyful, we have to be prayed up, we have to be willing and obedient to then do what he asks us to do. The other day I was in an elevator, I was waiting for an elevator at uh, Regency Hospital and there was a gentleman who came in, and uh, I stood right beside him, a big, tall guy, man, wore a nice baseball cap. And so I looked over to him, and I said, uh, boy, I wish I was in the Otis family. How many of you know what an Otis is? What did I say? Elevator. Elevator. And he didn't get it, so I said, Otis is the first manufacturer of elevators. Uh, so the door opens up and we get inside. And there's a bunch of people and they're all on their phones. No one's talking, no one looking around. I don't want for anybody to see me. I don't want to talk to anybody. I talk to everybody. So I said to him, you know what the problem is with Otis elevators? He said, no. I said, it's too many ups and downs. 
there were a few people who chuckled in the elevator too. Well, I, we both get off on the same floor. I go to the right because that's where the front desk told me the patient was. He goes to the left. And immediately I said, I bet you that's this boy's dad. I went down to the room and they said, oh, we just took him to pre-op, uh, gave me the room number. So I go down to pre-op and uh, remember, these are strangers. I don't know who they are. I get a call to go and pray with someone. So I, I walk in the pre-op room and I see the young man sitting there ready for surgery. I said, hello, Dane, I'm so glad to see you. I've known your father for at least 10 minutes. Great guy. All of a sudden, you could see his face just turn from worry to peace. And uh, he came through the surgery just fine. And, uh, but isn't it amazing how the Lord opens up opportunities for me when I just talk to people? They're not used to it especially in elevators. You know, one of the nurses will be bringing, you know, their lunch back to their station or whatever. I'll say, ooh, do you have an extra fork? I'd like to try that. <laughs> it just lightens everything up, and pretty soon it starts opening up. It opens up doors that no one else can open, and that's the good Lord. It's not us. Now, people have complimented us, and I know what they mean by this, but I always have to correct them. They say, uh, Pastor Carl and Dee Dee, you have a great healing ministry. And I have to say, no, thank you. I know that's a compliment, but I do not have a healing ministry. But my best friend Jesus does. So we just try to be obedient and do what we can for him. And so uh, this morning... As you can see, I've got enough stuff for about uh, four sermons up here, uh, but time is gone. So I want to turn it back over to Pastor Gary. Thank you, thank you, thank you. you got a great group of people here. I wouldn't trade them in for a VW. <laughs> 